0: Welcome back to the Scotting Report. Today with me is DeMonte Dodd, former Maryland center. In high school, DeMonte averaged 24 points, 16 rebounds, and 7 blocks as a senior. And he also, there was a game where he tallied 41, 21, and 7 blocks in an overtime victory over Kent County. DeMonte, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. I want to jump right into it. I mentioned in high school you had quite a, a stat line. You also played AAU for uh, former Wizards and 76ers coach Eddie Jordan. Can you tell us a little bit about your time in high school and kind of what your evolution like was as a player? Well,
1: high school was interesting because um, I wasn't really, I wasn't very good at basketball. Um, Ninth and 10th grade, ninth grade year, I was on a freshman team. I was, you know, it was okay, but, you know, no one ever the thought I would be what I am today. Um sophomore year, I started coming around. Uh I owe a lot of props to um guys like Tyler Jerman and uh, Shane Cloud, uh, Bradley Palmer guys that pushed me in practice, you know, to, to be better because they were like, you know, you're tall, you, you can really do something. But it didn't really click for me. got like I, I still wasn't where I, I could have been. Then by my junior year, my junior year, I started to get more comfortable. I started getting more comfortable on the a, on a court, different things like that. And at my junior year, I started really dunking the basketball consistently. And then by my senior year, uh, we played a team across the bridge, which was coached by Kevin Durant's dad. Mm-hmm. I, I looked up at the end of the game. We beat them which they were a really good team that no one thought we was going to win. I had like 26 points or something. His dad came to me. He was like, you're going to be special. And then from there, I kind of took off, but it still didn't hit me like that. I could go D one, you know, like me and my mom, we were kind of just happy. We were receiving offers. I remember we played a a team called Easton and we beat them. They haven't lost a game, a home game. It was like in two years or something like that. And, We beat them, like, I remember the fans were upset. And Bowie State, a D2 school, they offered me right after that game, full ride to come, or some kind of scholarship, I don't know if it was full ride, to come play with them. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, it was college. Like, let's do it. But then, like, my coach was like, hold off, you know. No, 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 no. It's the beginning of the year, like. And then Morgan State offered me, you know, that's D1. Mm -hmm. They offered me a full ride. I'm looking at my mom, I'm like, let's do it, you know. I wanted to go to college, but we never thought that, you know, it would be a full ride. Mm -hmm. We never thought it would be a full ride. So, ironically, the worst team that we played that year was called St. Michael's. They're horrible. And I only played maybe the first half. And Maryland comes to that game. Why? I have no clue. At the time, it was Coach Spinelli that was recruiting me. He came to the game. I remember I walked in the gym before we took off to go down to St. Michael's and my coach was like in a, a panic, frantic. He was like, this is the big one. Maryland is coming. I'm, I'm thinking, "Oh, Maryland Eastern shore. Cause you know, it's a UMEs. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, Maryland college Park." I, you know, I'm I still, I didn't know no history. I was always a Duke fan. So I had no history on Maryland. I didn't know nothing about the bias Juan Dixon, Walt Williams, none of that. So I'm just like, okay, cool. They came to the game. He said he liked what he saw, Coach Pinelli. Then he was like, we'll be in contact. And the next thing I know, my next practice, Coach Turgeon comes to the game, comes to my practice and wow. watches the practice. Wow. After that, it just everything just kind of took off. You know, I went from this unknown kid from the Eastern Shore to receiving McDonald's All-American to I think I was the top one hundred. Reebok's camp to all these, it was, it was crazy. It just happened. Me and my mom was just amazed. because It we was just like, just in some short period of time, now people were interviewing you everywhere you go and creating videos. And hey, it was just, it was crazy. It was really crazy.
0: That's awesome. So when you committed to Maryland with Coach Turgeon, how old were you? Were you, you were 17? I was sat down June. And this yeah. was right it was towards the beginning or the end of your senior season?
1: This was probably towards the beginning for sure. They
0: locked you, know. you they locked you in early. They saw right away this is a guy who's gonna play on this
1: yeah. team. Yeah, they locked me in, they locked me in
0: pretty early. And then when you got to Maryland, I'm sure you didn't tell anybody that you were a Duke fan, right? No, no, no.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Can't do that at uh at yeah, they take it seriously there. So what was it like playing for Coach Jordan?
1: Be Jordan. Oh, man. It was fun because, you know, any two times you get to learn from an NBA coach, an NBA player, it's, um, you know, it's a blessing. And, and he has so many connections. And he used to always tell me, he was like, you know, dude, you're seven feet, can run the floor, block shots really well. Like he said, You're going to make a lot of money. He was like, you got to stay focused. He's always telling me you got to stay focused. And that was one thing I always took away from him. But he was a very in-depth coach. You know, he ran the Princeton offense. So it's, it's a tough offense to run. And you need great passers and great bigs as passers because a lot of it comes from catching the ball the elbow, a lot of back cuts and different things like that. So luckily, he molded me into a good passer, which kind of helped me when I got to Maryland because – with Coach Turgeon's offense, we ran horns. So a lot of that was predicated of coming to the elbow, catching it. A lot of times I would catch it and we would set it down screen and Rashad Pack was one of my good guys. he cut back door a lot and I would hit him. He would get a layup. So, you know, playing with Coach Jordan helped me mentally uh, and physically. And like I said, it was just a blessing to learn from an NBA coach. Like, you know, that, that doesn't come very often.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and he was fresh out of the NBA, too, when you, when you got him. It's really great timing for everybody. All right, you're at Maryland now. You are surrounded by just talent. You, your whole team was really good. Uh, there's a couple years there where I'm just going to drop some names. Melo Trimble, Rashid Suleiman, Jake Lehman still in the NBA, Robert Carter, Diamond Stone, Des Wells. A lot of people don't remember him, but he he was the leader of that team for a long time. These names, I'm sure you have stories about all of them, but is there something that stands out uh, just for one of them or anyone in particular?
1: Um, my sophomore year team, mm-hmm. like you said, as was the leader, and you, you you take all the freshmen that came in, Mello, you know, Jared, Dion, Wiley, Michael Kowalski, all those guys. Even we had Trayvon Reed, unfortunately, had a mishaps, but we had a lot of freshmen. And they had big shoes to fill because after my freshman year, a lot of about five, six guys transferred. So they had big shoes to fill. And, and Dez really, really took on I me. Mean, he was already a leader, but that year he took it to another level. And, you know, we had other leaders, as you know, Jake Layman. Jake Lehman was more of a quiet guy. Evan Smokarich, he was the leader, but in different ways. But John Graham, vocal leader also. But... Dez really took us to another level. And I think that was probably the best thing that happened to Melo because Dez gave him confidence, but he also helped him become a leader. So I would say that year's team, you know, really turned things around for Maryland. It was fun. We had so much talent. Like that was a year where, You know, I would come into practice and
0: I'm just looking and
1: it was scouts, NBA scouts and and practice any or every arena we went to, NBA scouts talking to us. And I'm just like, wow, this this is really crazy. Like, you know, this is big time. But, you know, I just with that team, I just wish we could have done a couple things differently. But I love that team also was a great team. But, you know, I wish we could have beat kansas in the sweet 16 in like fun game to play in great atmosphere but you know came up a little bit short but great guys they're all great guys most of them are still playing doing well um so you know just good times
0: what was your role on those teams you know at sophomore year and junior year those are two very different years but can you kind of walk through like what what did you bring to that atmosphere
1: you know, it's funny that you you ran off my stats coming from high school and averaging four, double-double blocks and all that. It's amazing that I remember I, my first practice, I came in to Maryland, I was trying to score. And Coach Turgeon basically told me, he was like, we have scores. You have to find your part on this team. And at first, it was weird to me because, you know, you, you come from – Everyone comes from their respective high schools and, you know, McDonald's All-American or whatever the accolades you had there, 1,000 points, 2,000 points. None of that matters when you get to college. You know, it's, it's a whole new slate. So I had to find my niche on the team. And basically, I took on the role of rebounding and blocking shots. You know, I left Maryland number eight in all-time blocks. So not everyone always wanted to do the dirty work. And that's where I was like, you know what? I'll do that, and I and I didn't mind. I didn't mind it at all. So my role was to block shots, be the defensive anchor, and set good picks for Melo. Roll hard, and, and that was pretty much my job. And what a lot of people don't understand is, a lot of people get get paid a lot of money to do that, just to do those simple things. A lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people want to score the basketball, and I can get any advice to any younger kids that's coming up. You know, you you might not be a, a scorer like some of these other guys, like a Kevin Durant or a Stephen Curry, but you could be a Draymond Green. You could be a Dennis Rodman. You know, those guys that did the little things and still make is made a bunch of money. So that was that was my role. And I, I you know, I score now more overseas now because I mean, of course, coaches know that. I can score the basketball, but I still do those things. I, I still rebound, I still block shots. I take great pride in doing that. I, I, I love that. It's one of my favorite things to do.
0: You know, recently um, PJ Tucker was talking about this. You know, if you look at a stat line, it doesn't really reflect what he does on the court and how he affects the game, but it is just that everyone needs a guy who will go in and get the little things done to make the team work. And obviously what's glorified you know in in today's day and age is can you shoot the three like are you scoring are you dunking like that's great that's gonna make um instagram reels and highlights and that's fun but that doesn't mean your team's gonna win and at the end of the day everyone wants to win so they need a guy exactly like you you know you bring up coach turgeon he was actually just recently let go at maryland what was it like to play with him other than you know you mentioned he helped you define your role what was he like what was his what was his temper? What was his mannerisms? Did he did he surprise you in a lot of ways or in any ways? Always positive.
1: Always positive. Um, you know, one thing that I, I took away from Coach Turgeon was he really was big on student athlete and student came first and he was really big on that. Uh, him and Coach Warren, he was there as when I was there. They really was big on that. And, you know, a lot of athletes, you know, everyone wants to go to the NBA. Everyone wants to play overseas. But in reality, everyone's not going to be able to do that. So you have to take your academics seriously. And, you know, we would have weekly academic meetings with the coaches. And then Coach Turgeon, we would come in and he would even ask us, you know, school. But how's life? How's your family? So he was just a great guy. You know, all the stuff that you hear about him, fans say, oh, I'm glad, all that. You know, it, it hurts. It hurts to hear because, you know, maybe they. I think he's overachieved for what he's done at Maryland. I mean, if you, if you look at it, uh, especially at the the last team that he had with Ann Cowan. I mean, just imagine that that season wasn't cut short. It couldn't. It couldn't easily been a Final Four team. And then what? Then what could you say? So all that that jazz they, they say about him. It's it's unfortunate, but. I mean, I'm here to say he's a great guy, a great coach, great family. I mean, the amount of times that he invited us over to his house to eat crabs and play uh, cornhole and different things like that. I mean, the guy, the guy was great. And, you know, I, I reached out to him after that. And, you know, he's going to have new beginnings somewhere else. But, like I said, it was always great energy. You know, he, he really took the time to teach us the basketball game the the, the right way. and. You know, it was fun. It was it was good times playing under Coach Charger.
0: I agree. Um, he was uh, a special coach, and and really brought a lot to the program and to the university. Um, as a fan, um, he was he was always bringing in great talent and just seemed like everything that he was doing he was doing the right way in terms of just the way that he communicated with the fans with the players everything that was publicly seen you you got all the behind the scenes and I'm glad that it's kind of confirming what the fan believes but yeah he was just this great great leader and and uh, figure on our team Um, so I'm sure that wherever he goes he'll he'll do great things and
1: any two times you have people dressed up as detergent ice to be like you, you got to be a good guy, man.
0: Oh, man. Those are the best. Those guys are the best. Um, be also, no one talks about the fact that uh, for the past, what, seven years, he's been in the Big Ten and it's been the best basketball conference in the country every year. And so he has to go up against Izzo every year and loaded Michigan teams and Ohio State teams and every once in a while, Iowa and Illinois, they're gonna be ranked top five all year. This is a very tough conference to succeed in and to be consistently good the way he was. I was very surprised when they ended up making the move, but we'll see how it all plays out. So let's move on to motivation, all right? You know, in high school, you dominated, but you really weren't sure that you were gonna be a D1 player until the offers started coming in And you mentioned your mother. What really motivates you to continue to work so hard at this game?
1: Uh, just in the future. I'm 27, so um, some call it young, some call it old. Uh, I want to be able to just provide for my family. You know, I one day I want a wife and kids. Most people do. Um, and just make sure my mom and sisters and everyone's comfortable. Everyone's just want everyone to be comfortable. And Coach Bino used to always say, he used to tell us two things. He used to say, You want to be phenomenal or forgotten? And we used to always say, Phenomenal. he's always tell us, me, Michael Tchaikovsky, Domin Stone, all the, the centers that's about seven feet tall, he would say, They don't make deaths for you guys. <laughs> basically he said, you don't want to work a nine to five. He says, you, you know, you have the odd op- the God-given gift of being seven feet and good at basketball, use it. Because he said your knees is going to hit the top of the desk and, and it's going to be uncomfortable setting from a nine to five. So those little things, that's funny, but it's at the end of the day, it's true. It has some meaning, it has some truth to it. So you take that with you. But like I said, I just want my family to be comfortable. You know, mom sacrificed a lot and you know, it's, it's just, it's cool to to pay some bills. It's cool to, you know, I if my sister asks, hey, you have this for rent. Hey, yeah, I got you, boom, whatever you need, you know. It's cool to, to just to be able to do that because at one point in time, I wasn't in the situation to be able to do that. But now, you know, I put myself in a situation where I, I can help out and hopefully I'll keep getting better and maybe I'll find my way back in the NBA, you know. So that's that's kind of the motivation.
0: That's the dream. That is the dream to be able to support the ones you love. And I think that's a beautiful thing to be motivated by. All right. I want to pivot to the aftershocks. There's a tournament for those of you don't know called the basketball tournament. And this tournament is special because it's got a million dollar first place prize. Can you kind of take us behind the scenes of that tournament? Not a lot of people get to experience what you did, man.
1: So, It was very funny because, so Rashard Kelly, that played at Wichita, he's a good friend of mine, was on AAU together, DC Assault. Then we actually ended up going to prep school together at Massonette. So he reached out to me, he was like, dude, our center dropped out, what you doing? Can you play? At first, was very reluctant, I'm like, ah, dude, it's my summer, I'm chilling, I'm cooling. I've been chilling with my uncle every week. You know, we've been having a good time. Like, bro, I don't, nah, I don't know. Then, you know, I talked to my mom. and She was just like, hey, why not. Give it a go. You're not doing anything else. <laughs> so reached back to him. I was like, right, give me a money to get in shape. I started hitting it hard, gym, getting back into it. I started feeling good because I had a little nagging injury. So uh, that was kind of playing a, a, a part. Then I started feeling better rehabbing. So I gave him I hit, Ron Baker. He was one of the main guys. I hit him. Say, hey man, we need you. Can you play? I was, will be there. I did my little video, reached out to TBT. I got cleared. I got there. I did not expect it to be how it was gonna be. And when I say that, I say shout out to the shocker fans because they showed, I mean, that was that was the closest thing that I felt to a college atmosphere since I've been in college. I mean, you know, the first game was, uh, they were there. But by that second and third game, man, I mean, it was so loud in the arena. I don't know if you watched any of those games, but we had some close calls (laughs) and some games that we shouldn't have won. But, I mean, it was crazy. And, you know, in Wichita, all they have is is their Shockers. All they have is basketball. So the fans, they were... Doing all type of meet and greets with the players, and it was cool. They took me in just like I was a like I was played at Wichita for four years. Like they they took me in, but the connection was that Coach Turgeon used to coach there, mm-hmm. so a lot of people was like, okay. A lot of the fans were there when Turgeon coached, so they were like, oh, you're a Turgeon. Oh, they say, okay, you're you're good. Like you're with us. They they just loved me, and it was a good time. Shout out to TBT. I mean, it's it's an amazing tournament. A lot of proceeds go to a lot of good, you know, like ALS and different things like that. I mean, it's it's just a good thing. It's a good thing. Good basketball. So uh, I enjoyed it for my first time and I'm hoping to be back this summer.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of fun to watch, especially for the big fans. So now you're playing overseas. You're playing professional basketball in Poland. For the listener, can you like, can you just kind of share a, a quick glance, like what cities you've played in, what countries you've played for, and then we'll get into what it's like.
1: Um, I've been in Poland twice, I've uh, been in the Czech Republic, I've been in uh, China, and I've been in Mexico for a short
0: stint. So it seems like you've been able to really travel the entire world and play professional basketball. Mind you, I'm not, not a big fan of planes. Just throwing it out there. Oh, okay. Well then, uh, I'm glad you're in Europe, where I'm guessing it's mostly buses and trains. Yeah, yeah. So. What is it like to play in a foreign country? What are the differences between, like, basketball that you grew up with and basketball that you're currently playing?
1: Um, I will say in America, like like I said, everyone's trying to score. But when you play in Europe, people have roles, and they play their roles very well. Uh, you have guys that they know, I'm coming out here to defend, block shots, or be a good teammate on the bench. <laughs> you know, just as like that. So um, they, they play their role really well. And it's a very, very tight, like, you know, it's a very tight click of players, like, you know, every, everyone is, is, is all on one accord. but in America, you know, you have your egos, you have people that think they're bigger than the team and people that know that, Hey, I'm the main guy. So I can get away with maybe not coming to practice or, or whatever the situation may be, so you know, I would say that's the the biggest difference.
0: Your current coach, what is he like?
1: He's he's very laid back. Um, he was a power forward when he played over well, He's from here, so he was a power forward, he was a shooting power forward. So he kind of understands the big man role. So that's pretty cool. Like I said, he's he's a laid back dude. You know, we get after it in practice, but he's a good guy. Uh, always ask you know how you feeling family and all that you know yeah good guy
0: yeah. you you had uh some time in the g league uh what was what was that like for you?
1: it was I would say it was challenging because I was trying to figure out a lot of stuff with the g league uh, going up against some of the best guys in the world and everyone like I said, everyone just wasn't on one accord. and one thing I learned. Winning, take care of a lot if you win. As long as you're winning, you know, people gonna get call-ups, 10-day contracts. And a lot of people was just focused on their individual success. And in G League, you you won't get anywhere by that. You know, there's been guys leading the G League plus scoring for the last three, four years, and they're still in the G League because they're losing, you know. <laughs> so it's, like I said, you know, it's, the G League was very challenging because you are just dealing with a bunch of different egos and people that want
0: individual success,
1: which I completely understand. I get, you know, people have a the where they think, well, if I do this, this is going to get me where I need to be.
0: If I stand out, I can make it to the NBA.
1: Exactly. Normally it doesn't work like that, in my opinion.
0: Caruso is a great example of this. He was not a standout player by any stretch, but he filled a role. He did exactly what you're doing over there. He said, I know what I can do. This is my role. I'm going to play it well. And teams took notice of that. The Lakers said, we want that on our team. And he might not have been the best player on his G League team, but he was the best player at his role, which is what they needed. So you're absolutely right. People people look at this G League opportunity, uh, players especially, as these are tryouts for the team. It's not a tryout. Everyone's being watched, and... Coaches or scouts or GMs are picking and choosing what they think is going to fit their team from what is in there. This is a this is a selfish question. I'd like to ask you: Who's the most talented player you've ever played with?
1: Most talented player I've ever played with.
0: Whew. You've played with Dude. a lot of incredible players. I mean, there's there's a lot of talent yeah. in your world, and you've played on now a lot of different teams. So it's a selfish question. If you want to get back to it, that's fine. I just, we're going to get into some fun here. And this is one I like to ask all the guys.
1: Uh, If I was, if I have to, talented. I would have to go with Mellow Trimble. Things that he's done in Maryland and playing with him and just clutch, being clutch, he just was an amazing player. I mean, nothing else to say. He was an amazing player, but, but played with a guy in high school. People always laugh at me. My mom, my sisters, everyone always laughs at me. I played with a guy in high school named L.J. Palmer. I'm telling you, this guy, was he was really good. He's was, he was my best friend. And I'm not just saying that. He was really good. I mean, this he could shoot. He could drive. He was athletic. He was a great defender. I just wish he stuck with it. I wish he was stuck. So he went a different path. Uh, but I wish he stuck with it, but he's doing great now. He has a family, you know, and all of that, which is great. I'm the father of his daughter, you know, but he was very talented also. I would love to see where he could have been if he stuck with basketball, but overall, Melo Well,
0: I'll have to check out some um, some Palmer highlights uh, when I when we get a chance. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I'm glad you did bring up Melo initially. What was the moment like for you? You said clutch. Um, There's one moment that stands out to me. I think it was Michigan State where I don't remember the scenario exactly, but it was something like you were down six or five or or seven with just a minute left and Melo hits a couple big threes and all of a sudden the game either goes to overtime or you win right away. It was like a very special moment and Izzo had never... Uh, "Quote unquote," like blown a lead in the last ninety seconds of that magnitude in his career. What was that moment like for you watching Mello just kind of say, "This is my game. I'm taking over."
1: Is are we talking about the the Michigan State game at home? Yes. Okay, I know game talk about. And this was actually my senior night.
0: Yes, it was senior night. That's right.
1: It was. You know, it was kind of like watching. You're just out there. You know, the play. You know, the play. The play is going to be for him in some sort of way. And uh, like I said, it, it got to the point where he was doing so well, I wasn't even going to rebound. I was just going back on defense. I mean, I'm just like, this kid's in the zone. And then he just came down and he pulled up in Tum Tum's face for game. I said, you know, poor Tum Tum, because this this is not the first time that he's been on Melo Trumbo's highlight. Uh, that was an amazing game. But the game that stood out for me for Melo when he was clutch, was a game I had, a great game, and he completely overshadowed me because of that shot when we were at Wisconsin. And when he pulled up, I remember Coach Turgeon doesn't really like the pull-up three. He'd rather you go to the rim and try to get fouled. But uh, I don't know who was – I think – I can't think of the kid's name, but he had a tough three on Jake Layman's step back. Uh, forget his name. And then Melo just comes down, and I was I was on a bench, and I just know like four seconds left. I'm just like, well, it's not no time to drive, so there's going to be some type of long three or something. And he just pulls up, and I just remember Coach Turgey, and he's just like, you can tell he's like, oh, I want him to go to the rim, and everyone just goes crazy. And I'm just like, that's ballsy. You got to have some guts to do that. Man, I mean, I was, I was, I was a big time shot. That shot, be maybe one of his, one of his best moments at Maryland. But that Michigan, that Michigan shot with Michigan State shot was was a big time too.
0: I, I appreciate you bringing that up. That's the stuff we want to hear about. So let's get into the weeds of DeMonte Dot. All right, you play the drums. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Uh, the drums. Uh, well, I grew up in a church. And I always tell the story, not only to my aunt Marty, they always would have me, mind you, I've always been tall. So they would have me sing in a choir. And I can sing a little bit, I can hold a tune, I can blend in, but it's not really my thing. You know, I just felt very embarrassed being in that choir. I'm just like, I, I do not like this. I do not wanna be up here, but I had no choice. My dad plays the drums. And so my family had a local gospel group where they would, my grandfather sang, God rest his soul, he died. And my uncle played the bass guitar. My dad played the drums. So I started learning from my dad the drums. I always was interested. He kept a drum set in our house when I was young. So he would teach me. So from then on, I started learning to play. And then one day I kind of was like, I'm not singing in this choir anymore. I, I it's not for me. So I just went, I went, I got on the drums and one day in church. And I remember my dad was telling me, I think he didn't think I was ready. He was like, get off, get off, get off. You know, I literally hopped on in the middle, get off, get off. And my aunt basically told him, she was like, well, let him try, let him try. And I did really good. And then since on, my dad let me play drums in the church until I turned 18. And that's kind of how how I learned. And uh, ever since then, You know, like I said, I started off with gospel music, and then I ventured off into worldly music. So I started playing, like, Metallica, Nirvana, you name it. um, Three Doors Down, you know. I started playing all types of rock and then, you know, Jimi Hendrix and different stuff. I just wanted to see it. So, you know, I I love it. One day, I hope, like, once I'm retired, I can kind of get back to playing every day and just having fun because it also is like a a stress release.
0: On social media, uh, you bring up Taylor Swift to a bunch. I'm wondering, do you ever you ever drum out some Taylor Swift songs?
1: No, she doesn't really, her music's not really for drumming, I would say. I mean, you could kind of throw your own thing into it, I guess. I've tried, it sounds okay, but um, not really for drumming, I would say Taylor Swift.
0: About about Taylor, what what draws you to her?
1: Oh, what doesn't, is the question.
0: <laughs> good good answer. I think we can leave it at that. Yeah. All right, let's have a little more fun. Who would you rather box out, all right? Giannis Antetokounmpo or Aaron Donald? I know Donald doesn't play basketball. He's a football player, but he is a terrifying human as well.
1: Very terrifying, so I'm gonna have to go with Giannis.
0: Yeah, I, like, <laughs> I think that's a smart you know. answer.
1: Aaron Donald might could hurt me.
0: <laughs> yeah, for safety alone, I feel like that's the correct answer. Do you think you would have a chance at actually blocking out Giannis? Like, I'm thinking, we're we're, uh, we're at a drill where, you know, you shoot the ball ten times and it's the two of you are going up for a rebound. How many of those are you grabbing?
1: I mean, I think I have a good chance of maybe getting five, five or six. I mean, I'm pretty big. I'm like 255, so I'm,
0: I'm not weak. I mean, I'm not Giannis. No, uh, you, guys, you guys are about the same size. That's why I have the comp there. Yeah, I think I, I, can, I can battle
1: with them down there. Nice. You know, were. You said Shaquille O'Neal. That might be a different story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone would confidently say five on uh, on Shaquille O'Neal. No, even now I feel like he'd still be thrown around centers if he wanted to play. All right, and then who is someone that you model your game after?
1: Oh man, um, me? Who I model my game after? I used to say I was going to be like Kevin Durant. That didn't turn out like that at all. Nowhere near. <laughs> So uh, I was I would say I would say a mixture between Dennis Rodman I watch a lot of Dennis Rodman highlights I love you know just his effort his his, his drive um, and then you know I do a little transition now so I push the basketball different things like that so I would say kind of like Lamar Odom I, I like to watch him in transition 6'10, 6'11", guy shifty pushing the basketball so. I would say between those two, I try to model my game
0: last year. I like it. Well, uh, Demonte, this has been a lot of fun. And, you know, thank you so much for joining us on the pod. You're really, you're welcome back anytime. For those of you who want to follow along Demonte's journey, feel free to follow him on Instagram. He's at thirty five or on TikTok, D. Feel free to follow along to either of those. So go check him out. DeMonte, again, thanks so much for being on the pod. Oh man.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for having
0: me. And go Terps. Always. Go Terps. This podcast is hosted and produced by Scott Eisenstadt and co-produced by Central Park Sound. Audio production, editing, and theme song by Jordan Schiff. Make sure to rate and review this episode. And if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and follow The Scotting Report wherever you listen to podcasts.